0: Hey, mystery solvers, we have some great mysteries to talk about today. But first, we want to introduce you to another awesome podcast.
1: Hey, y'all, Jen and Lindsay here from Corpus Delicti Podcast, here to tell you to check out our show. If true crime is your thing, it's ours too. With a touch of lightheartedness and a dash of southern charm, we cover compelling cases and crack them open for you. Serial killers, hitmen, historical hallmarks, we've got it all and bring you new episodes every Tuesday morning. You can find us on iTunes google play stitcher and most other podcast apps we're on facebook instagram and twitter too that's c-o-r-p-u-s-d-e-l-i-c-t-i see you tuesday how's it going liz Hello, Samantha. Hello, Five Listeners. How are you? Um, I kind of wish I was dead. Oh. Uh, How are you? (laughs) How are you, Samantha? Comparatively, I'm doing fine. Why do you wish you were dead? I mean, it was a rough night uh, with the tax bill. Oh. It's stressful living in Trump America. I found out at like two in the morning and stress ate a bagel And then watched that clip of Kiefer Sutherland jumping into a Christmas tree to try to cheer myself up. Is this how
0: the capybara YouTube videos came to be? Because when I walked in to Liz's house today, (laughs) she was just watching videos of capybaras. If you don't know what that is, it's like this giant guinea pig from South America.
1: They're super chill and they like hot springs and they seem very zen and relaxed. And I aspire to be like a capybara. So what this
0: means is if we ever get any Patreon money, I'm going to buy a capybara.
1: Yeah, it took all of 0.5 seconds to convince Samantha that that's what we should do. I was about to cry. They were so cute. They're there's one amazing. particular
0: video where they're all piling. There's like 14 capybaras piling into a little hot tub. Anyway, do you have any updates? I don't know
1: that I really do. Oh, here we go. Let me show you this piece of art that I purchased from friend of the pod, Kara, who had an art show last night.
0: <laughs> this is a little card that has... <laughs> Blue and purple aliens on it, and it just says fuck, which, <laughs> this speaks to me.
1: I thought it had a very, perhaps it's you vibe. It, it really does. So, I picked, Did she have us in mind when she made that? I don't know. I, I know she is very interested in, in aliens and outer space, so I, um, I'm planning to redecorate my bathroom and kind of a Roswell, alien New Mexico theme, which I actually was planning to do before we even had this podcast, but it just all comes together. So I was like, well, obviously we need this. Obviously. So that can inspire us for our episode. I will try not to be too grumpy about the tax bill. Or we'll just call this one the episode where Liz is in a bad mood.
0: Exactly. (laughs) The the title of this episode will be Liz is in a bad mood. This is the one where Liz is in a bad mood. And just is
1: like, meh, meh, meh.
0: I'll be grumpy after I drive four hours today to get to Duluth and back. I'm going with my mom to Duluth. Sadly, we're not going to Glensheen. The murder mansion. Which is very disappointing. I'm going to see Christmas lights. Which is not quite as murdery. Much less murdery. Much less. There's probably going to be zero murder murdery. at Bentleyville. <laughs> Unless someone gets murdered and then it just kind of ruins the, the fun.
1: Yeah, actually, that would be sad. <laughs> <laughs> That's all we have. Should we just jump right in? I guess so. To the
0: mysteries? Yeah. I believe you I have the are first one. First.
1: So this was a wanted case. I at the beginning of this where is Robert Stack? Is he in someone's den? <laughs> I don't like I know. didn't get the setting for his introduction at all. Is at, that his gentleman's study? Maybe
0: it's his gentleman's study. He's in some strange places in this episode. He goes back to like the marble pillar hallway. I don't even know what that is, but very strange. Yeah. Yeah, he loves those pillars. Loves them. That in cemeteries? Well, he's, that makes sense. He's often in a cemetery. This, but yeah, this opening
1: shot, I'm not really sure what I just he, what wrote down, doing. where is he?
0: What?
1: <laughs> All right. This is the case of Lee Salwyn. He was a 26-year-old, uh, very popular DJ in Los Angeles, and also a motorcycle enthusiast.
0: Excellent hair.
1: Yes. Oh, the reenactment of just like a club, like a club <laughs> scene is amazing. That's it's pretty wild. Also, the photos of him
0: on his motorcycle with his long, luscious locks blowing in the wind.
1: Yeah, I mean, this guy was living the perfect life. Like he was having a great time. He was having a great time. He was this club DJ. He apparently had like just gotten his own club. They play the absolute worst song I've ever heard for the reenactment <laughs> of people dancing. That's something about black leather jackets. It's terrible. I don't know what it is, but yeah, he was you know this popular DJ. He's wearing leather jackets, riding motorcycles, having beautiful locks. He's, he's living this, like, L.A. dream, right? Yeah, Things totally. were working out for him. And apparently he was a super nice dude. He was beloved. Um, people knew him as, like, very peaceful and helpful and friendly. We'll see evidence of, of that later. So, at 2 a.m. on October 8th, 1988, Lee and several of his friends left a Hollywood nightclub on their motorcycles. I like that the cops were very clear that Lee was not in a motorcycle gang. He liked to ride motorcycles with his friends. They made that
0: abundantly clear. But
1: he didn't, you know, do any illegal activity. They just... Road, you know,
0: road motorcycles. So it seems like these days you Harley. have to justify it a lot less. Like people yeah. would just have
1: motorcycles, and back I then
0: they're like, just so you know, he wasn't a hell's angel. Oh,
1: I think people were a little more afraid of uh, motorcycle gangs. There was some of that left over from the seventies, <laughs> and now we're like, what? No one's in a motorcycle gang. Everybody that owns a motorcycle is like some retired orthodontist. <laughs> <It's> like <laughs> Harley Davidsons are freaking expensive. Like, right? Normal, you know muggers and low-life criminals aren't writing Harley Davidson's (laughs) because they cannot afford them or they would not be mugging people. So, (laughs) but the cops were very clear. Lee was not a criminal. He was not a bad dude. He was not looking for trouble. He just liked riding a hog late at night with his buds, even if one of them was named Beachy. (laughs) And that's his right as an American. (laughs) Beachy was
0: so funny. They put his real name on the screen when they first showed Beachy's face, but... I mean, his name is Beachy. And it <laughs> makes sense when you see him. His bleached blonde hair.
1: I mean, yeah. I would call him Beachy, too.
0: Great mustache beard combo, though.
1: OK. So Beachy and Lee and two of their other friends are out right their motorcycles at 2 a.m. And they're almost hit. I think it was Beachy that was almost hit. Yes. By a red and white car. Got
0: very mad about it.
1: Yeah. And, then, with, and it seemed intentional. That was the, at least Beachy's interpretation of the situation, was that the guy in the car didn't like bikers and tried to hit him. Beachy also flew
0: off the handle. He sure did. No pun intended. So it doesn't (laughs) surprise me that he would accuse this person
1: of intentionally hitting him, whether it
0: happened or not. So the
1: man swerves in front of them and starts laughing. The motorcycles pull up to the Rob Light, red light. The driver gets into an argument with beachy is, with beachy it was all beachy this is an <laughs> important detail it was that's the title of the episode it was all <laughs> beachy. so Lee
0: had nothing to do with any of
1: this yeah that's the important thing to keep in mind so if this is sort of a road rage situation that escalates beachy accuses the guy of trying to hit him the guy spits in his face so he punches out of the window so he Punches out his mirror, and then the guy spits on him again, and he punches out his window. Beachy. Beachy. Chill out, dude. Look, I get that this guy is a jagoff, and that you're mad, but... Punching out a window? Yeah, okay. So he, he smashes the mirror in the window. Then, of course, guess what? This guy that was already a jerk doesn't take that well. And he starts chasing down the motorcyclists, who eventually split in two different directions. Three of them go one way. Lee goes one, in the other direction. Sadly, the driver follows Lee, who had nothing to do with this altercation at all. He ends up chasing him down and at speeds that might have reached like 90 miles an hour. And then Lee goes headfirst into a telephone pole. Mm, yeah. He is taken to the hospital and he survives for a few days, but ultimately dies from his injuries. At his funeral, hundreds of people came. Like, a music video is made in tribute to him. And some using famous
0: musicians, right? I can't remember who they were now. Yeah, the so they had
1: a tribute concert to raise money for a reward, which is pretty awesome. Billy Idol played oh, yeah, at that concert. that's right. Which... Crazy. Maybe I shouldn't be so impressed by that, but it is the 80s, and it's freaking Billy Idol. I was
0: impressed. I'm
1: impressed. Anyway, um, so they were raising money for a reward, and... This episode aired where they're like, look, we know this about the car. It's like a two-tone red and white truck. I don't know. They were debating what type of truck it was. And then they have the world's worst sketch. I feel like I say this every single episode. <laughs> no, this one, I wrote down this sketch looks like fucking Sasquatch. <laughs> this sketch is like a children's book illustration of the giant from Jack and the Beanstalk. <laughs> so one, I'm bad. looking at it right now. One of his eyes is twice the size of the other. It's like bulging out of his head. And he's like...
0: This is exactly how Beachy described him. The sketch artist did a, gr- a great job
1: probably, bringing
0: to life Beachy's description.
1: So guess what? The sketch didn't help. <laughs> Not Sur- at all. Surprise, surprise. You know, they had they said, oh, he's Caucasian. He's between 28, 32. Anyway, green eyes and a reddish brown hair and beard. Anyway, the case, it's one case. It goes unsolved for about four years. Sadly, you don't get that immediate second within seconds of the broadcast right but there's a rerun mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> unsolved mysteries keeps working its magic and syndication and someone sees that and goes oh you know there's this guy in jail right now for a uh, weapons possession as a felon he's serving five years and he keeps bragging about how he killed a biker in los angeles -hmm. And he happens to fit this physical description, even if he looks nothing like the sketch. I do have to say though, his face—he has crazy
0: eyes. First of all, there's just a ton of white around them.
1: He does have crazy eyes. They don't—it doesn't look anything like anything. No one looks like that sketch. No, because this is Paul Bunyan or something. (laughs) And the guess what? The murderer is a dude, not a drawing. (laughs) Oh, not a cartoon character. He has a very walrusy, handlebar mustache. Fortunately, very. cannot be nominated because he's a dark no. guy.
0: I like Beachy for MVM. There was another guy, though, Detective Frank Bishop. Yes. Who had an, his mustache wasn't standout. The reason I liked it was because it matched perfectly with his eyebrows and his hair.
1: I, that was who my it pick was. Very was very nice. He had a very um, consistent look. Mm-hmm. And I liked how adamantly he was defending Lee. That two, was nice. Two yes. rumors that he was in a motorcycle gang and sort of got, got what was coming to him. Yeah,
0: it was, it was Frank Bishop who really said he wasn't in a motorcycle gang. He was actually very nice. His friends and family described him as a gentle giant. So I liked, I liked him. Uh, Beachy's mustache beard combo, though, with that bleach blonde hair. I don't know. We'll yeah. have to put it to Instagram, see what, they, what people think.
1: The, the, that cops, I wrote this down. The cops said they had the right to be riding motorcycles and dress the way they were. And I was like, I yes. Him. Yes, they Yes, do. they did. They've got to be wearing their cool leather jackets and riding around at 2 a.m. Yeah. This is America. <laughs> Can't run people into telephone poles for that. <laughs> <sighs> oh, the and it's, It is a sad story. Yeah. The mom in particular was clearly, like, very devastated about the loss of her son. And yeah. said, it. it was like, oh, he wasn't just my son. He was my buddy. I
0: know.
1: It was really sad. Can I give you a hug? That's awful. I know. I mean, there's not a ton to this case. Um, Lee seems like kind of an interesting character. The reenactments are, like, they're gorgeous. (laughs) The reenactments were great. They're so good. Um, Fortunately, Lee's killer was caught. He was identified as Franklin LeGrand Perkins. He was about to get out of
0: prison, right? He was going to
1: be paroled in five days. And then an anonymous tip came in because they watched the rerun of Unsolved Mysteries. And they were like, you should look into this guy. So he was arrested, uh, he was eventually convicted of first-degree murder and sentenced to life. He's arrested wearing the most, like, Zach Morris shirt of, like, <laughs> neon red and blue stripe. It's very strange. The boldest shirt.
0: And then his bug eyes and, like...
1: And then his, his walrus mustache. Head and, and a giant yeah, mustache. A really, that's what's wrong about this sketch is this guy has a little head yeah and the sketch is bulbous sometimes i describe people as having like a lollipop head if they don't really have any shoulders but they have a big head this guy has like a dumb dumb head (laughs) where's the (laughs) it's the opposite because his head is so little for his body and his eyes are so buggy and then his mustache is
0: huge it's very strange yeah
1: look he's the worst according to unsolved mysteries wiki which we think and love every single day he is currently still in prison in california and at the age of 63 not getting out. Not getting out. Thank so, yeah, thanks to everyone that cared about Lee. Thank you, Billy Idol. Something I didn't expect to say on this podcast. <laughs> uh, that's nice that everybody tried to, like, raise this reward money. And, you yeah, know.
0: It was, he, it was clear that Lee was a great guy and people loved him.
1: Yeah. It's, it's, this is kind of an interesting case just because of the the music scene aspect around it. And because it's another case that Unsolved mystery solved. Mm -hmm. but there's not a ton to it. I don't know if there's anything else we really... I'm looking at my notes. I don't know if there's really anything else we need to talk about. We can get into
0: the next one because it's going to be a bit long.
1: Okay. So this is a
0: missing person. Robert Stack narrates the opening shot, which is from high in the air above a wooded area. He says that on April 2nd, 1988, in Baldwin Borough, Pennsylvania, which is a suburb of Pittsburgh... 30 volunteer firemen gather on a steep bluff overlooking the river. The team is at this location at the suggestion of a psychic to search for the remains of Michael Rosenblum, a young Pittsburgh man who had been missing for eight years. The psychic thing, I I, I don't know what the point is in even mentioning that. They're basically searching where
1: the vehicle he was driving with
0: at the time of his disappearance was found. It's not that, The psychic
1: tip, like reinvigorate interest in the case?
0: No, because Michael's <laughs> Okay. <laughs> no, Michael's father, I'll get to this in That's a minute, true. but he was doggedly pursuing this case and putting a lot of money and resources into it when it seemed like the police in the area were not. So No, his parents were great. Yeah, his parents were awesome. Anyway, the psychic detail, I thought was just stupid. I could have gone out there and been like, "You should search here." Well, no shit. That's the where the car was found. <laughs>
1: Anyway, you could start offering a uh, psychic service for police <laughs> I investigations, at it, yeah. apparently.
0: So, Michael disappeared on Valentine's Day 1980 from a road that runs along the foot of this cliff. Michael's father is interviewed for the show and very sadly says that there is not a chance in his mind that Michael is out there alive. He prays that it might happen that he might be found alive, but in his heart he doesn't believe that it's true. Quite sad. Robert Stack tells us that Maurice, Michael's father, has spent nearly a quarter of a million dollars trying to locate his missing son. The search has turned up many leads. Strangely, quite a few of those leads suggest that there may have been sinister forces at work and perhaps even a police cover-up.
1: Which I feel like if Unsolved Mysteries is willing to entertain that idea at all. There's some good evidence. Because it's it's a pro-law enforcement show. Yes, this is not a you know collaboration of a bunch of bleeding heart liberals,
0: <laughs> right? Not exactly, and they you know they also try and stay kind of neutral, but there we'll get to it. There does seem like there was fishy stuff. Going
1: I bu- I mean I buy it.
0: So we next get a brief overview of Michael's somewhat troubled past. He began experimenting with drugs in high school and became addicted to what Robert Stack describes as prescription painkillers that altered his moods, making him erratic and irritable. His life spun wildly out of control, but through all of his ups and downs, his family stuck by him. They were fiercely supportive and willing to try pretty much anything to help him, including the new parenting technique at the time called tough love, which I think
1: we've all heard about. Really broke my heart. It did,
0: because Michael's mother said that she tried tough love. It was like she was at the end of her rope. She had tried everything with Michael. She sent him to rehab. A couple times,
1: and and it wasn't working.
0: And this was the time when tough love was coming out, right? You're supposed to kick your kids out of the house if they're... And that's what she did. She... Basically said, get out of my house. Don't come back until you're off drugs. And that's when he disappeared. But she blames herself, which I think, how would you not in that situation? But I don't think it was her fault at all.
1: It just was clear that people had been telling her for a while, like, this is what you need to do. You need to lay down the law. You need to be tough with your son. Nothing else is going to get through to him. And she clearly didn't want to do it. Mm -hmm. But nothing else was working. And she eventually was like, look. You know, experts are telling me to do this. Everyone is telling me to do this. I got to give it a try. And then this happened, so she feels awful. It Ugh. wasn't her fault. It's not her fault, I but feel it is really sad. You would blame yourself no matter
0: what and just the fact that shortly after she finally gave in to people who were telling her to do tough love, he disappeared. It's very sad. But what had happened was he had been acting strange for about a month after being released from a drug rehab facility. His mother found a bottle of painkillers in his bedroom and banished Michael and his girlfriend, Lisa, from her house. The couple left in Lisa's car. Robert Stack says that the next morning, Michael awoke with a severe drug hangover. Lisa took him to the hospital, but he refused to be treated. Lisa says that he became more and more agitated until finally he drove off in her car, leaving her stranded at a gas station. His last words to Lisa were, go to my parents' house, I'll see you there in two hours. But he hasn't been seen since then. Mm. Michael's parents filed a missing persons report the next morning with the Pittsburgh Police Department, who immediately began searching for Lisa's car. Two weeks went by and the police had found no car and no body, so Michael's father began his own search for his son. He offered a reward, posted flyers, and traveled all the way to California to visit friends Michael may have contacted. It's clear that the Pittsburgh Police Department did try to find Michael. They interviewed yes. a guy who was a Pittsburgh police officer at the time and who now is a police or a private investigator. And he said that if you have a body, that's where you start a homicide investigation. If you have a missing person, you start looking for their vehicle. And they really scoured Pittsburgh and tried to contact local police departments around the area to see if they could find his car. We'll get to that part in a second. Three months later, on May 21st, 1980, the police department in Baldwin Borough notified Lisa that her car had been found. According to official records, the car had been impounded the day Michael vanished. Michael's father is outraged by them having the car for 91 days. Marie says that the Pittsburgh police contacted every surrounding department looking for the car. And Robert Stack says that the Baldwin dispatcher was definitely contacted by the Pittsburgh police regarding the missing car. However, no one can say if the information was ever circulated to the Baldwin officers. Hmm. So this is where things start getting a little weird. We circle back to the day Michael went missing. Two hours after he left Lisa at the gas station, Baldwin police discovered the car on River Road, a road that connects Baldwin and Pittsburgh. Two of the tires were flat, the keys were missing and the engine was cool. Michael was nowhere to be found. So they towed the car and the car remained in the Baldwin impound lot for the next three months. This, of course, was frustrating to Michael's fami- family and the Pittsburgh investigators because had they known that the car had been found where it had been found and so soon after Michael left, it would have provided direction for their investigation. Yeah. Because they had nothing to so go off So frustrating. Of otherwise. Right. So they really had no idea where to look. That's why they were trying to find this car so hard. And had they known that it had been found that day. That would have been
1: extremely helpful.
0: Very. So Maurice wanted an explanation. So the Pittsburgh Police Department went to Baldwin to investigate why there was a delay. The Baldwin police told the Pittsburgh police that they had mailed a letter to Lisa the day after the car was found saying they had impounded it. Lisa, though, says that she never received a letter. The Baldwin police, however, eventually produced a copy of the letter, but Lisa insisted that she never received anything. Mm -hmm. Around this same time, Maurice says that he received two anonymous phone calls. The person on the other end of the line said that Michael had been arrested by the Baldwin police. They were cryptic about it. They didn't provide any more details. The mysterious phone calls and the discovery of the car were the only evidence for almost six months. Then in 1980, the Baldwin police issued a warrant to search Michael's residence. The warrant stated that Michael was wanted in connection to a robbery that had taken place in April. The problem was, April was two and a half months after Michael disappeared. So this Uh, is extremely strange. People are like, what the fuck? The Pittsburgh investigator I mentioned... Um, earlier that unsolved mysteries interviewed for this segment says that the big twist came when the victims of the robbery were interviewed they stated that the robber was a white man who was wearing aviator sunglasses that covered almost his entire face from above his eyebrows to below his cheekbones yet somehow the baldwin police produced a composite sketch of a man who looks like michael and is not wearing sunglasses
1: this is so fucking fishy. It's extremely strange. And the Also, how big must those sunglasses have been?
0: Humongous apparently. They said this guy said all you could see according to the victims of the robbery, all they could see of this guy's face was like his jaw. It's
1: practically because, a stormtrooper man
0: <laughs> because his sunglasses were so big. First of all, I want sunglasses that are that big.
1: How do we find like, some? Let's find some.
0: Can that be our merch for our show? I absolutely. It says <laughs> perhaps it's you on the side. Those sound awesome. Anyway, (laughs) so this investigator goes on to say that after doing police work for almost 30 years, he is certain that the composite sketch was made using Michael's missing persons flyer. Um, They do like a, a fade out of the sketch and Michael's face. I have to say... It didn't look that similar to me. Uh, you would think if I'm, you were, I haven't been doing police work for 30 years, but. You would
1: think if you were doing a drawing based on a photograph, you could make it closer. However, from what we've seen of police sketches, <laughs> I'm <laughs> holding up Paul Bunyan right now. The guy, the guy was like, this is way too good because I know they're terrible. I got to make this look a little less like him. Yeah. yeah if it's I too on the nose, people will know we just took his missing person flyer.
0: This uh, whole warrant thing for his arrest is extremely strange. A week later, they dismissed the warrant, but I wrote that questions still
1: remain. Like, why the fuck did they issue it in the first place? What did they think that was going to accomplish? I have no idea. It was months after he disappeared. I don't know. It's odd.
0: Maurice claims that the Baldwin police are covering up a sinister fact. He took his suspicions to the Pennsylvania... That
1: could also be the title. (laughs) A sinister...
0: That's much more mysterious. <laughs> so he went to the Pennsylvania Attorney General's office, and they investigated, but they cleared the Baldwin Police of any wrongdoing. However, that is not the end of things. Six and a half years after Michael's disappearance, Maurice received an anonymous letter that urged him to talk to a woman named Jean Haslett, who had worked as a dispatcher with the Baldwin Baldwin Police. The letter accused Baldwin Police Chief. Aldo Gaburi, which I did not roll my
1: R nearly as well as Robert Stack does. No, that's all right. We're not professionals like Robert Stack is.
0: Clearly, Robert Stack speaks several languages or something
1: because (laughs) he he does an excellent job with this name. He's had voice training as an actor. True. Which we have not had. (laughs) Well, they know that. (laughs) They are very aware.
0: (laughs) Unsolved Mysteries tracked down this woman because she's interviewed for the show. She states that two or three months after the car had been impounded, Chief Gaburi ordered his clerk, Fred Capelli, to type a letter notifying the owner of the vehicle that it had been towed, and then to backdate the letter to February 15th, the day after it was towed.
1: It's such... Duh. I know. such maddening bullshit. Oh, Lenny
0: Briscoe just farted. <laughs> yeah, it was very stinky. Lenny Briscoe <laughs> likes to sit underneath my chair when we podcast, and he just farted.
1: I'm sorry. A very
0: stinky fart.
1: Lenny, well, I mean, you apologize right now, mister. <laughs> He's so cute, though, just
0: laying there. Innocently. Like, he
1: doesn't even know. Farting. Oh, God, I got it too now. <laughs> Traveled to Liz. It's stinky. Yeah, it's really. I nasty. couldn't
0: continue. I, it was too stinky. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Ooh, where am I? Oh, so Capelli, the clerk who typed the letter for Chief Guburi, is also interviewed for the show, and he confirms that he was instructed to forge the letter. By Police Chief Gaburi, Capelli goes on to say that Gaburi instructed him to sign the letter with the name Chester Lombardi, who was the senior officer at the scene that day. Gaburi had apparently asked Lombardi to sign the letter, but Lombardi refused because it was backdated. So he was like, "This is fucking sketchy as hell. I'm not doing it." Yeah. So Gaburi made he was his the clerk good one. do it. Yeah. yeah. And unfortunately, Lombardi had since died by the time Unsolved Mysteries filmed their segment, so they weren't able to interview him
1: conveniently, he was dead.
0: (laughs) Conveniently. But apparently he was a man of integrity, because he told his
1: police chief to go fuck himself. Yeah, like, no way am I signing this
0: cover-up letter. Based on these allegations, Maurice wrote to the Baldwin City Council demanding an investigation, and in October 1987, the council fired Police Chief Gabri for interfering with the investigation into Michael's disappearance. Don't get
1: too excited. No,
0: because he appealed to the the Civil Service Commission. I'm not entirely sure what that even is, but they ruled in his favor and reinstated him as police chief. Boo. Yeah. Apparently there's no transcript or records of these hearings, but Capelli went and testified and said that basically the council like didn't believe him at all, and he claims that Chief Gaburi had friends on the Civil Service Commission. A shady guy named Robert who was on the commission told Unsolved Mysteries otherwise,
1: but I don't really believe him. No, I don't believe him Mailer. In case anyone was wondering.
0: (laughs) So, unfortunately, this Gabury guy got his job back.
1: Boo! He's clearly corrupt and crooked. Yeah, I think that's clear.
0: During the search of the hillside that I mentioned at the beginning, searchers found a six-inch fragment of human bone. Mm. The search also turned up patches of corduroy and a piece of a sole of a shoe both are consistent with Michael's outfit when he was last seen. And then we get an update that says, tests confirmed that the bone found was a piece of Michael's skull.
1: So sad. I know,
0: and sadly, I wish I could say... That there's anything more but like a lot of these cases Michael's father and really the only person who is advocating for him died in 2008 Ugh. and oh awful I know police chief Gaburi died back in 1997 oh so well, okay well there's no conclusion to this case really at all if you search for it you'll find the unsolved mysteries wikia you'll find unsolved.com and that's that's it so I don't know that this case is ever going to be solved do I think that there was a huge cover up the car was found two hours after he disappeared and the engine was cold and he was clearly not in a good mental state it was found in a rural area.
1: I'm not really sure My what to think personal theory allegedly 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 <laughs> is that they picked him up for something and he died in police custody. Not that they murdered him, yeah. but that he died in police custody. And maybe they didn't do something proper. Maybe they didn't want to admit that it happened. And they covered it up. That's my, my personal gut instinct of why they were hiding in the car and backdating letters and blah, blah, blah. I don't know that I'm
0: as conspiratorial about it. I think that it is suspicious that they created this warrant. That could have been... That's the weirdest thing about it to me. Is this this warrant for his alleged involvement in a robbery is very strange. The fact that the victims of the robbery reported that the man was wearing sunglasses, could not have been him. Yeah, the sketch had zero sunglasses. That was very strange. The latter, which is what a lot of people point to as being the main point of conspiracy in this case, I think could just be an asshole, lazy police chief that didn't want to get in trouble. He has the Pittsburgh police coming and knocking on his door saying, what the fuck's with this delay? And maybe he doesn't want to say that my dispatcher told me about it and I forgot and I'm a lazy asshole who's bad at his job.
1: So I'm going to forge this letter. That's actually a really good point. I think a lot of times when things look like conspiracies, people are not evil masterminds. They are not on the ball as much as we would like to think they are, even for evil, that people don't want to get fired. People yeah. are covering up for mistakes. People are just trying to keep their jobs when they screwed something up, and then you have to lie on top of that, and then you have to lie on top of that, and then things spiral out of control. Yeah,
0: is this Guburi guy? Was he the kind of person that would forge a letter to save his own ass? Kind of
1: seems like yeah. it. Yeah, I mean, and maybe that's all that he's guilty of. And but then, who killed Michael? I don't, I don't know. The fact I'm that they, not sure they issued a warrant for him later. Made me think... That's the weirdest part to me, like I said. Made me think that maybe they did arrest him for something. But that doesn't make a ton of logical sense either.
0: Yeah, there was no proof ever that he had been arrested or even contacted the police. I'm not really sure. I do know that he was not in a good place mentally. He had just left a hospital. His girlfriend was saying he was acting agitated. He drove off in her car, leaving her stranded at a gas station. So, I mean, d- maybe they picked him up because he was driving erratically. And could then, be. yeah, it didn't say that he had like a weapon or anything. Right. So it's not like there's a lot of evidence to su- suggest that maybe he committed suicide. He was planning on meeting his girlfriend again in two hours. This case is extremely strange. It's hard to know what could have happened to him. He apparently his remains were found up a cliff. Or not really a cliff. It was like a very steep hill.
1: Yeah. Right above
0: where his car was found.
1: Yeah. So.
0: I mean, could he have gone up there for some reason? Because he was out of his mind and fell, and then no one ever found him. But then why would it be such tiny
1: fragments?
0: I'm that's I'm not sure about that either. It's very strange. (sighs) It's a
1: weird case, and
0: there's layers. This is a good unsolved mystery because it is not clear at all what could have happened and there's kind of layers of mystery as far as could it have been a police cover up? It does seem like they were covering something up, whether or not it was just their own negligence or their own laziness or if it was something more sinister.
1: We'll never know, We we never will know because
0: it doesn't seem like
1: anyone's looking into this anymore. I appreciate how diligently his parents really tried to find him.
0: They tried really hard. Even after his father was pretty convinced that they would never find him alive, he was still searching for answers. They wanted
1: to know what happened to their son. And even though their son struggled with addiction and their relationship with him was not on the best terms when he went missing... They still really loved him, and they wanted to find him, and they wanted mm-hmm. to know what happened, and they were, you know, willing to confront the police department and spend a quarter of a million dollars and and try to locate him. So it's so sad that it's very sad. Once they again, they didn't find anything out. His
0: mom is very sad. She's interviewed for the show. I will say all the moms in this episode have great perms and great sweaters. Yeah, that's a bright note.
1: They are wonderful moms and they all deserve hugs. They're wonderful 80s moms and yeah i'm sure that they would love to give us a capri sun and <laughs> sit us down in front of the television oh,
0: that's all i have for that mystery you want to talk about old people's scandal
1: not really <laughs> if is that what this is it's a fraud right yeah this is a fraud a theft and fraud okay if you were almost a fan of the Con Juan Heart Attacker case, but you want it to be, like, more boring, <laughs> then I have a case for you. If you were waiting for that well, case... you're really selling it. If you wanted... Like, you're like, mm, can could I get that case, but, like, watered down and not nearly as interesting? Yes! <laughs> the problem with this episode is that they have two updates that we've
0: already seen,
1: yeah, and was, they take up half the episode. I was going to complain about that In the I don't the understand... End.
0: Okay... <laughs> I mean, I love this show, and I would never want the people who recreated it for streaming services to listen to this and think otherwise. However, I don't understand why they rerun these updates. So what happens is they did an update from the David, what's the Cox, um, Stephen Cox. Stephen Cox of Medford Giant forehead.
1: Five... (laughs) Stephen Coxon has five header back, but it's not. It's not just
0: the update. They like
1: rehash the whole episode. Yeah. And it takes forever. And I'm like, not only
0: have I already seen the segment, but I already saw the update when you ran the segment in the other episode.
1: Now you're playing it for me again? I originally had thought that we were seeing updates multiple times because they were adding them to episodes so you didn't call in.
0: But they already did that when they yes, when they first showed I, Stephen Cox's segment. I didn't
1: realize that this these were so specifically edited for streaming. Yeah, I thought we yeah, were sort true. of seeing them as they aired with some updates, right? So I was like, "Oh, they've moved that update into this other episode so that you know it's solved." No, because they've they've put these t- We don't need to see this again. I don't understand. This one has two updates. One of them is heartbreaking. Yeah, it's the um what was his name? I haven't written that one. The Rogers, yes, Rogers, Rogers Kane. Came. So we basically the see case the case ever. I
0: skipped through it because you see basically the entire segment again.
1: Yeah, and then we get Stephen Cox again. So instead of getting four mysteries, you only get three because we're wasting all this time on these updates, and it, there's no new information. We no. don't. It's not like the boys on the tracks where we had Robert Stack sitting in front of a map. Looking so serious. I mean, you did get some new information. That was a great update. These ones are just the segments. These again. are just montages of things we already saw. Wasting my time. <laughs> I don't got time for this. Give me a different Unsolved Mysteries about the Loch Ness Monster or some shit. Yeah. So
0: That's our mini rant about this. If you watch gonna, this episode, get ready to waste half your time watching segments you've
1: already seen. That's going to affect our rating. Just got to say... <laughs> So, are we ready for the super milk toast case of <laughs> Arthur Frankfurt? Yes. Who wishes he was the heart attacker, but just doesn't have the style to pull it off. Nope. Nope. So, Arthur Frankfurt is another sweetheart swindler. He meets and romances women, stealing their hearts and their few meager possessions, because he's a lowlife dirtbag. hmm uh,
0: they, I have to say, the guy that got to play him in the reenactment had a lot more swagger than I think
1: he actually did in real life. Yeah, they, they were generous with that. and Extremely. It's, and it still wasn't good. No, well, so, it wasn't. The case that we focus on is May 20th, 1988, a widow they refer to as Mrs. K, who we only see behind a shadow. Uh, the fact that there's no – neither of these people are the real person, right? We're seeing the wanted Arthur Frankfurt and then Mrs. K doesn't want to reveal herself. So mm-hmm. she's played by an actress too. I didn't realize how much having the real people in these reenactments – adds some authenticity it to really them. does
0: because if we compare this to the Matthew Chase case from yeah the, our last episode they got the real people to play that Teresa super chic and hip Teresa our
1: hero Teresa was
0: in it so was his real parents right and I think their uh, Teresa's brother the other roommate were all in the reenactment and it was great and very authentic
1: this one has sort of a dinner theater quality. Yes. Where he's coming up like, hey, you want to dance? And she's totally over like, oh, I'd be ch... Like, uh, ugh. <laughs> it's not good. Anyway. So Mrs. K went to a Friday singles dance at St. Mary's Church in West Palm Beach, Florida. Which with, sounds like a happening night. That's exactly the word I was going to use. <laughs> happening. A singles Where dance at a, a church. S- a singles dance for old people at a church in West
0: Palm Beach. I will say the reenactment they created for that looks like a church basement. That's true. It's great. Yeah. I mean, it looked, that part of it looked authentic. Probably.
1: Probably was a church. It probably was. So, she met Frankfurt there. They danced the night away. She her original response to him though was like, "Oh, he's too old for me," which I just kind of thought was hilarious. So, <laughs> but he charmed her. He told her that he was a geologist and had worked for the government in Alaska and that he had just retired after 21 years of service. And he claimed that he Can you do the rest of this and that? And and, then, no, <laughs> I don't know where that came from. 21 years of service. Uh he also claimed that he owns several houses and rental properties in nearby towns. Do you think he claimed
0: to own two Rolls Royces?
1: Yeah, he probably claimed to own two, maybe 80s Rolls Royces. <laughs> he also is claiming he owns several houses and rental properties, but yet moves in with her. Which I feel like... Red flag. This is, if anybody has listened to Dirty John... Ah, you should. It's really good. This has a similar profile to that, where this... Guy is claiming that he has these properties that no one ever sees and he never ever goes to. And also she's way too impressed by housework. So he moves in with her for like two months and she's like, oh, I would come home and he would have dinner for me. And he occasionally picked up his socks. She's like. Yeah, because he's not going to work. (laughs) Set your standards higher. (laughs) Just because someone washes your cars, yeah. ladies, does not mean. Do not dismiss every single red flag that you see from an obvious con man just because he picks up your dry cleaning. <laughs> First of all, if you're rich, you can hire someone to do that for you. Yeah. You don't need to have a clear con man living in your house. Mooching off of you. Yeah, because guess what? You're, you're paying him too. You might as well just do it directly. <laughs> Anyway. It's a please. good life
0: lesson. <laughs> I
1: am, Perhaps it's I am you. I begging women, do not be snowballed by the fact that a man will wash a dish. If he can still be a bad person. <laughs> if he picks up his socks, which he should do anyway. Yeah. Don't be so impressed that he's not a small child. <laughs> like any grown man can pick up his socks or wash a car. Yeah. Yeah, so Mrs. K was a Our little love advice for the week. Got a little starry eyed that Hank, Arthur Frankfurt could occasionally, I don't know, put a frozen pizza in the oven so she could have dinner, and then she was like, "Oh, anyway." <laughs> that was a very necessary rant. I feel like no, it was. If that helps even half of a person, it was worth it. <laughs> Next time you're on Tinder, have Liz's voice in the back of your head asking okay. you. This is my question if you're on Tinder. What is the last book that he read? This is the first question you should ask. What? It Was it on his high school curriculum? If it was. No. 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 Block him immediately. <laughs> I really want us to adopt the John Waters policy that if you go home with someone and they don't have books, don't fuck them. No. No. Just walk out. Just be like, you know what? This isn't going to work for me. <laughs> also, if they voted for can- Trump. You're out of there. <laughs> you're out of there. You
0: can pre-screen now. So you're on Tinder, and the first thing you ask them is, <laughs> "What was the last book you read?"
1: And, and if they're like, their answer, and if they go, "Uh, you know what I really like, Catcher in the Rye," then you go, mm, "I'm super busy." For grill
0: them a little bit too about the details because they can just Google a popular <laughs> book or whatever and give you a title. I don't
1: even think they think to do that though. That's true. But what do I know? I've been married for ten thousand years i've been with the same person for a long time too i would if i we have a lot of friends who are
0: currently dating and are on tinder and i frequently and I love tell them love to give them advice that they probably do not want but i also will frequently say if i had to date again i would just die alone oh for, i would never yeah. make it on tinder
1: people go on multiple dates a day and i'm tired energy for it. that Oh, my God. If your picture is you shirtless fishing. Oh, that too.
0: Change it right now. Do you think that happens in places where fishing isn't as big of a thing? I don't know. Fishing is huge here in Minnesota, unfortunately. We have a lot of lakes. People love to fish. But as a result, 9 out of 10 guys on Tinder's (laughs) photos are them with a dead fish.
1: That's not sexy. (laughs) I'm sorry if that's news to you. (laughs) A dead fish. Just think about... You don't want to be a wet fish. No. No. It's not appealing. Also... It might be to some people, but for a lot of people, it's not. We feel like we get to speak for all straight cis women right now. (laughs) All of them. We we can Some of them do like to fish. I've known
0: many a woman who likes to fish. However...
1: You would think I wouldn't have to say this, but if your picture is you shirtless eating a bug... (laughs) Take that down. That's a real thing. That was a real Tinder photo. That we our saw. our friend sent to us. Which yeah, if your photo's stupid, guess what? It's getting sent it gets, to it gets circulated. That's <laughs> a little behind the curtain right there. <laughs> if
0: your photo is you naked casting a fishing line, yeah, first of all, that's not safe. <laughs> we can seen I say that hook, too. Can I say hook in a testicle? Or
1: are you naked riding a bike? Ew. I've seen that one. Yeah. I'm not even on Tinder. <laughs> <Ugh>. <laughs> Bad
0: decisions <laughs> happening.
1: Yes. These
0: guys, I mean, it must work for them sometimes, but I can't imagine.
1: You how. know, not everyone is like us, and not everyone's cool enough to un- host an unsolved Space podcast. <laughs> We're it here, is... like, haven't, we haven't dated in fucking years. Let
0: me tell you how it is. <laughs> Let me tell you how you should Tinder. Yeah. I barely
1: know what that is. Let me tell you how it (laughs) works. The other day, so there's a documentary about two people who are super fans of the movie A Christmas Story, and they made a little documentary about them going to like find scenes from A Christmas Story. And I just, this just like came up on Netflix or something, and I was like, oh, that's so sad. And then Matt was like, you host a podcast about unsolved mysteries. (laughs) Why like, are you judging? Like, I was completely judging what these people were into. I was like, I cannot they're believe They're on Netflix though. They're way more successful than we oh, are. Oh, no, they're totally, they they got some sort of deal from a, <laughs> you know, big wig somewhere with a distribution at least. Yeah. To make their stupid Christmas story documentary. <laughs> but I was really like, that's pathetic. And Mac was like, yeah, you're not into anything. Yeah, you <laughs> We need to evaluate ourselves a little bit. This is a cool thing to do. And (laughs) we are so off track. We have 28
0: iTunes reviews. Okay. We're super
1: cool. We're going to get free mattresses any day now.
0: (laughs) We've gone off the rails because
1: this segment is so boring. Yeah. You're you're welcome. I can't even even remember what you were talking about before we got (sighs) Okay. So he's, look, Arthur Frankfurt (laughs) is living with Mrs. K. He gives her this like stack of money. And she says that he'll, she'll put it in the safe and is willing to give him the combination. And he's like, oh, no, I couldn't ask you to do that. Right. He's playing a long con. So he acts like he's super trustworthy. And eventually she puts the money in there. And eventually he does get the combination of the safe, of course. And then one day she comes home and notices that all of his clothes are gone and that he's moved out. And he left her this note that, like, made no sense. Sorry, just things too possessive. L. That's all he wrote. Was he even
0: literate? Things too possessive. Like she's too possessive? Was that what he was trying to say? Basically,
1: he's like, you're smothering me. Also, I stole all your jewelry. (laughs) Because after she reads this note, she realizes, oh, I gave this bastard the combination of my safe. Goes and looks in her safe. And her jewelry is missing. And also some of her late husband's possessions, including his ID and a driver's license, Renewal form, which I'm not really sure why she kept that, but he took it. Some people keep all their paperwork. Yeah, so it was. Does it, he worked on this woman for two months for forty five hundred dollars in in jewelry, which I'm sure like once you actually fence that, you get what, a fraction
0: of that. I'm sure. So where does the woman from the senior athletics? association come in I have no idea that is the only thing I remember from this episode is that they interview this woman named Manya Joyce and she is said to be the president of the US senior athletic games and she has a lot of blue eyeshadow and this like salmon colored sweatshirt with a giant fake flower pin to it
1: yeah and she's sitting I in front of clearly a picture of herself what if I just had a photo of myself right here <laughs> And I was just sitting at, like, in our
0: makeshift podcasting studio. Yeah. Some That'd people thought
1: this was a dining room, but since I never eat at the table anyway, it's become our podcast. <laughs> I just leave this up. All the- yeah. I just have this photo. So I know where to sit. Oh yeah. That's Liz's Um. Anyway, I don't know where she comes in, but wow. I ch- Maybe she, looks she was great. one of the other victims. I honestly don't remember. So Arthur Frankfurt, after they started investigating this Mrs. K case, three other women came forward. This episode of Unsolved Mysteries was made. My favorite phrase within minutes of the broadcast. Yes. uh, They found out where Arthur Frankfurt was. The key they didn't release to the press or the public was that Arthur Frankfurt was a magician. So when someone, which of course he was, what? Which of course he was. So when someone called in for a tip with the police department, they were like, "Oh yeah, does he does do magic?" And then they were like, "Yes, he does it very well." Aha! That's how they knew. Tip is authentic. (laughs) So he was arrested, and he's wearing a puffy acid-washed Canadian tuxedo at the time of his arrest. So just. I I say this as a person currently wearing pajamas and a bathrobe, just consider when you get dressed every morning that that might be the outfit you're arrested in and dragged in front of TV cameras. Mm -hmm. You know
0: how your grandma said that you should always wear matching underwear and bra because... No,
1: my grandma never said that. That's weird. It was only my grandma? Because you might be in an accident? Yeah,
0: and then they'll see your your undergarments and you got a match.
1: What? Lest they think you don't have your life together, Liz. What kind of perv at the time of your accident is going, uh, it seems like she bought these at know. two different Victoria's Secret sales. That's
0: the question we'd ask grandma, and she never had a good deal. <laughs>
1: <laughs> well, yeah. So that's the Arthur Frankfurt case. The thing that I wrote down that I found hilarious was the cop saying, it's time for the public to stand up and say, we've had enough of Arthur Frankfurt. <laughs> So I, I'm willing to stand up and say that. You know why? Because this case is boring. <laughs> yeah.
0: Boring. I give this case in particular one out of five Blast. Robert Stacks. let just through her notes. Do you have anything else to say about it?
1: No. It was stupid. It was really dumb.
0: I was actually, half of the time I was just taking pictures of our podcast setup because I think it's hilarious that we just have <laughs> two books about ghost stories, one book about mysteries, and then this alien card <laughs> propped up against it that just <laughs> says, Fuck. <laughs> I
1: mean, that's the perhaps-it's-you lifestyle right we're there. We're sipping LaCroix. This yeah. is just,
0: this is what it's all about,
1: folks. <laughs> yep. So, anyway.
0: Yeah. Do you want to rate this episode?
1: I mean, I'm not going to rate it very well. <laughs> I think that your one mystery actually is good and mysterious. Unfortunately. It doesn't really carry the whole episode, it, though. It's pulled down by those other BS. The only one that's mysterious is yours. Yeah. I mean, I found the, uh, the L.A. DJ case. Interesting. The reenactments are really good. But, but it's, it wasn't particularly it's not mysterious. mysterious. So I'm going to give it a thumbs down for Mysterious because only one case is.
0: Yeah, I'm thumbs down as well. How
1: are the reenactments, in your opinion? The reenactments, I'm going to give it a thumbs up just for the first case because they're so good with the motorcycles and the club and the dancing and all that stuff. They were good. Um, Old people in a church mixing and mingling yeah i don't know that the rest of them are so great but the... i just loved those ones so much that i'm gonna skew it the
0: second mystery had some good production value with the like helicopter shots from above that's but true they weren't
1: it's I mean... probably more of a sideways but i'm just personally swayed by the first mystery so yeah, i'm no, give it a, give thumbs, it a up. thumbs up
0: fashion is our next category thumbs up all the ladies were in great sweaters, had great perms. There was a lot of eyeshadow.
1: I liked all the club wear. Those were, that was great. You don't usually get biker looks on Unsolved Mysteries, so and thumbs they, up for that. Yep, they were great. Um, Yeah, I know. Robert really Stack
0: wore a lot of jackets
1: in this episode. Yes, jacket heavy. Yeah, I don't know if it was cold when
0: they Poor filmed him. Poor Robert Stack was chilly. At one point, he was wearing like a wool overcoat. I, d- I wrote down that he looks kind of like a politician the entire time.
1: He does. He's he's about to tell you why he believes in financial security <clears throat> and jobs make something great. Blah, blah 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 blah. Who
0: do you think should be MVM? I know. I'm strongly pushing for Beachy. I mean,
1: I think it has to be Beachy for the name, for the attitude. <laughs> for the hair. For the hair. For his, I, I Usually, I want a pure mustache with no other bearded facial hair because I feel like... <laughs> Those are th- I mean, yeah. Then it's not really a mustache. Then you just have a beard, but... Just a beard that creeps up onto the rest yeah. of your face. <laughs> right. Yeah, that's a beard. Detective Frank Bishop. He was going to be my choice, but you've convinced me to go for Beachy. We'll put them both on
0: Instagram and people can vote for it. Okay. I'm on the fence. But it was a, Frank had a great cop look with his, his I, mustache.
1: Like, usually a cop look is not so like, well organized or it I don't just, know. It matched so well with his hair,
0: his eyebrows, and his, and his mustache he, were all the same color. He's and well groomed. It was like groomed. this auburn,
1: brown. Had, it's not like, oh, I have a cop mustache and I've let myself go. It's like, oh, as I have a like cop so mustache, and I love every day of my life.
0: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. <laughs> what do you give this episode out of Robert Stacks? <sighs> two and a half? Um, yeah. Two? I was. I wrote down two. I just... I like your I mystery. Do like two, the problem is, is I do really like your mis- your first mystery and my mystery, but, but I hated that they were... The whole episode almost was taken up by reruns of yeah. segments the we've already seen.
1: as a whole, I... Watch at some point this summer and honestly completely forgot about because yeah. It, it's all just segments we've seen already. Segments we've seen on many and this Arthur case is super boring and could be any fraud case. Oh, while we were talking about that, I meant to mention that today I got a settlement check <laughs> because when I was a government employee in New Mexico, apparently my life insurance that they just automatically deducted from my paycheck was not real. <laughs> Which they were doing to all of the government employees. Really? Not that the government was defrauding people, but someone had defrauded the government. Okay, gotcha. And sold life insurance that essentially didn't exist. Like, if I'd actually died, like... No one would have no got gotten No one would have gotten anything. How much money did you get? <laughs> so today I got a check for $42.44. <laughs> so that's what became of that fraud. I'm basically as successful as Arthur Frankfurt now. <laughs> basically basically that's all we
0: have for this this episode it was kind of a a weird one what's your uh recommendation for our listeners
1: yeah i i have a recommendation for you have you ever heard of a movie called silence of the lambs (laughs) (laughs) no but do the lambs die no okay (laughs) that's not my recommendation because that would be ridiculous that's
0: understand what I we're don't talking care. about. I don't care. A, that is an inside joke. We were, yeah. I don't care. We once had no, a, a my... man, mansplain <laughs> Silence of the Lambs to us and Liz's response to this was to ask, are the lambs going to be okay? <laughs>
1: Do the lambs die? Okay. Anyway, what, what's no, your real
0: recommendation? My real
1: recommendation honestly is related to that. Oh, I feel okay. like if you like Silence of the Lambs, I have something else to recommend that doesn't get as much love Ooh. which is the book and the movie, The Collector. Okay. So the book is by John I think I've Fowles. I have heard of this book. I feel like it's something that is sort of like tangentially aware of, but I've not many people have read. Does that make sense? Maybe I'm wrong. Maybe I think I've heard of it, but I haven't read it. So maybe, it does make sense to me. Maybe you all have read it, and I might as well have just recommended Silence of the Lamps, and everybody's rolling their eyes at me. Like, <sighs> The Collector. Got it, Liz. Um, it is a book that is half written from the perspective of a kidnapper and half written from the perspective of the woman that he is keeping in his basement. Oh. I think that is really well done and fascinating. Have you read the book? Yes. So that is the book. The movie doesn't have that sort of two perspective thing, but I actually might enjoy the movie more. Mm. Um, It was made in 65. It stars Terrence Stamp, and he just does this amazing job as the kidnapper, just playing it like super even keel.
0: Okay.
1: And it's just sort of a fascinating portrayal of what that type of person might be like. I I absolutely love this part where he... Uh, comes down to the kidnapper. He like He's like wearing a suit and he's like brought her breakfast on a tray. Like he thinks like he's treating her so well but he's fucking keeping her in a <laughs> basement, right? It's, uh, it's really interesting and the reason that I made that joke about Silence of the Lamps is because he's a butterfly collector and I feel like that's where that butterfly Ooh, imagery okay. from Silence of the Lamps kind of is kind of stolen from that. Like he's a butterfly collector and then it's like, oh, I'm going to collect this girl, also. Okay. So, um, I don't know if that movie is streaming anywhere. You might have to actually pay Amazon $3 or something to watch <laughs> it. But I do really like it. I would recommend it. I like the book, too, but I find the half-written by the kidnapped woman less interesting. Okay. Than, it, it goes back and forth. Chapter. One chapter. His perspective. One chapter. Her, her perspective. Her perspective. Oh, my God. One chapter, her perspective. And I'm less interested in her perspective because there's just less you can do with it. that makes sense. Yeah. Because she's in a basement. Right? I don't know.
0: Makes sense. Is it scary? Like, is the
1: movie scary? It's not scary. It's certainly not gross. Okay. It's just tense. Sure. It's more of a... I don't want to say hitchcockian, but sort of that type of it's that era and sort of that sort of building tension of okay. how is this going to resolve itself and what's going to happen to these people as they Nice. Yeah. So that's my recommendation. Cool. Also, if you've never seen Silence of the Lambs, check it out. Let's check it again. out. <laughs> I also have a book to
0: recommend, and I'm going to phone it in once again, recommend the book that we're reading for book club this year or this month. But actually, I really enjoyed it. So we have a true crime book club where we typically read nonfiction, but for the last month of this year, we decided to read a popular novel, which once again, I'm recommending a novel that probably a lot of people have already read because it's very popular. I think it came out last year.
1: Doesn't matter. Now people can claim they read it when someone asks them about it on Tinder. So it's a helpful... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> True. We're yeah. really we're performing a valuable yeah. service. Though it, if someone was like the last book I read was The Collector, I might be a little creeped out. But
0: <laughs> So this book is called Before the Fall by Noah Hawley. It is a very popular book and I loved it. It was very interesting. It's a mystery and it all surrounds this is not a spoiler cuz you learn it basically by reading the back cover about a plane crash and It's one of those mysteries that are so well done because throughout reading it, I had multiple different theories. Like right off the bat, I thought I kind of know how this is going to go. And then shortly thereafter, there was something else happened that made me think maybe I was wrong. And so it's written in a way that's really well done. I did not see the ending coming, which is the hallmark of a good mystery. You want to... Yeah, absolutely. You want it to be mysterious throughout the book. I also enjoyed it because I am just kind of morbidly fascinated by plane crashes this is probably one of the reasons why i was terrified to fly but i did not know this about you yeah i hate i hate airplanes but i'm fascinated by the way in which they investigate the reason for airplane crashes and this book follows one of the characters in the book is the investigator the crash investigator and so you kind of see some of the inner workings of how they go about searching for the victims and investigating what could have caused the plane crash so i found that part interesting the characters are fascinating it also kind of explores issues of wealth and the 24-hour news cycle so if you are enraged by modern media who me you or anyone (laughs) you will both love this book and probably get frustrated by it which Mm -hmm. is also a hallmark of a good a good book that it makes you feel things If you want to kill the rich, you will also enjoy this book. Oh, now I'm listening. (laughs) I know that Liz does. so (laughs) It kind of just explores things like how money influences people and how things happen and how money influences the media. I think it's fascinating. It had a great ending that I did not see coming. I highly recommend it if you are interested in mysteries in particular. Sweet. The, the audiobook is really good. The narrator is fantastic, if that's how you
1: consume I, books. I know that I need to read this book for book club, but I haven't started, as It's usual. kind of
0: long. Um, I think the, the audiobook was, st- I mean, average for audiobook. It's, it was like 10 hours, I think. Sure. But I ate it up really bad. Actually, I um, I finished it yesterday. And I kind of just like sat and finished it. Like I don't oftentimes just sit and listen to an audiobook. Usually I'm doing things. Sure. While I'm listening. And I literally just for the last hour of this book, I was so captivated that I just sat in a chair and listened to it and did oh, nothing else. That's
1: quite an endorsement.
0: And I have done something with this book that I've never done before. And that is that I re-listened to the ending okay. because I loved it that much. Wow. And I can't tell you more details because I would totally give it away. But they you,
1: should put that on the back of the book.
0: <laughs> you will want to re-listen to this ending over, and over again. As recommended
1: by, perhaps it's you, your yeah. favorite Unsolved Mysteries it's podcast really hosted by two women in Minnesota.
0: <laughs> so if you haven't read this book, which you probably have because it's very
1: popular, check it out well, I the haven't fall. because, as usual, I'm behind on our book club selections <laughs> because living in the apocalypse has completely ruined my attention span.
0: Yeah, this book will not help you take your mind not off a- of
1: the problems <laughs> we're having because that's fine.
0: I think this book would have been written slightly differently if it had been finished more recently like tw- like I, you can tell because it's kind of grounded in the time period like Obama was president when he was writing this right? and I think if he had been writing it now because a lot of this book is about the media and the 24 hour news cycle and following characters that are involved in it and I think if he was writing it now with Twitter and Trump and I think it would be a very different book and I'm kind of glad that he did it <laughs> because I, just, I don't want that to bleed into my fiction life but, yeah, I don't know. You, it's a really good book. Strong recommendation. Read a book, everyone. Yeah. yeah read that's... a book and ask your Tinder dates if they read books. <laughs> it's our recommendation. <laughs> so that's all we have for you this week. Um, follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at Perhaps It's You. You can find our website at perhapsitsyou.com.
1: We still have our holiday shopping guide up. We'll have that until Jesus' birthday. Mm-hmm. Go find gifts for the weirdos in your life. I wanted to... So iTunes reviews are a little bit glitchy, and we don't always see them right away. Um, I hate the new Apple Podcast app. It sucks
0: so much.
1: My point is not to, <laughs> to complain about that. Oh, is oh, it? I was just going to go off on a I, I know. That's I'll why I'm stop. cutting you off. Uh, <laughs> I wanted to say that Shauna Dukes, who wrote a review that in October, that I'm only just seeing now, and expresses regret at not being able to get a magnet in the giveaway because they were boss, if you could get in touch with us at, perhaps it's you, at podcast at gmail.com. I don't know that we have any more magnets, but we'll send you something. I appreciate that you
0: (laughs) This person wrote a really long, super sweet iTunes review, and for some reason- Here's what happened. I we had 29 iTunes reviews. I looked at it randomly one day and we we had twenty-eight.
1: We have twenty-nine again.
0: We have twenty-nine again? Yeah. This is how glitchy this this app is. I should start looking at a real computer. Because I I was like, why do we only have twenty eight? And then Liz found this review we've never seen. It
1: actually works better on my phone, to tell you. Really? Than a computer? Yes. Ever since the latest
0: Apple update. If you listen to a lot of podcasts, which you probably do since you're listening to this, you might have experienced frustration with the iTunes app. I actually switched to an app called Overcast.
1: Oh, which I should probably do that.
0: The reason I switched is because it used to be that the podcasts would appear in order. So if our podcast came out at 10 a.m. and then Mike and Josh's podcast came out at 11 a.m., you'd see theirs and then you'd see ours. That's not how the iTunes app is anymore. Nope. Nope. So, But you can set that up in Overcast.
1: Oh, okay. And so
0: that's how I listen to all my podcasts now. But I do occasionally go look at our reviews, which thank you guys so much to everyone who's reviewed us on iTunes. Everyone's yeah. so funny. These reviews we keep getting are hilarious. You guys
1: should start podcasts because... No, we love them. They really mean a lot to us. And it also helps us out because I think the more rates, ratings and reviews we have, the more likely iTunes is to suggest our podcast to other people as like yeah. oh you like Mike and Josh's podcast maybe you would like perhaps it's you so we kind of need like good ratings and a number of reviews in order mm-hmm. for other people to get steered in our direction i'm flipping through them right now i think we've already talked about this review about the person who was getting the mail order blockbuster dvds <laughs> but we didn't mention that their username is crycheck's left arm which is the most <laughs> amazing x-files reference crycheck's left arm I love you.
0: Please email us, too, because I think Liz would want to be your friend.
1: Yeah, I would. That's I've, that's just a 100% solid
0: I saw a review the other fact. day of someone who said that they love our podcast and they wish they could send us a magic rock.
1: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I really appreciated that. If you have, like, an enchanted crystal. We'll take it. We'll take it. Yeah. yeah sure. I will set up a P.O. box just to get those magic <laughs> rocks. So if that's something you're interested in, a service where you send us rocks, <laughs> Yep. We can set that up.
0: (laughs) And yeah, the reason we were bringing this up even was if you wrote that sweet review, that awesome review that said that you wished you could get a magnet, get in touch with us. and We'll figure something out. We'll send you something sweet.
1: Maybe a Magic Rock. I don't have one, but, you know, maybe. If we had one, we would keep it all to ourselves. We could chip off maybe a little dust, (laughs) Magic Rock dust, and send that out to the listeners. We could bottle it up and start an Etsy shop. Yeah. Hmm. Hmm.
0: So we we need maybe a- we'll get
1: enough money to buy a capybara. <gasps> yes. So, guys, we need to go because we need to go plan our capybara ranch. Yeah, we should probably go now. Yeah. So, um, bye. Right, thanks for listening. Go solve some mysteries.